0: This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders, with your
1: hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. I'm excited about today. We've got a repeat guest, Jason Olbiksen from Salesforce. Welcome back. Thanks
0: pleasure to be back has there been other repeat guests there have been there have okay. been
1: you got a few more to like repeats to like make it on the the top repeat
0: and to you get a jacket someday like the saturday May- live five yeah five-timers? maybe
1: like a like a green master's jacket or something that. Get like a, thanks for having me back well yes. guess you, d- you didn't bomb last time that's what we came here <laughs> great back. so uh you joined by chris baker with uh is inside natural resources inside natural resources yep boom nailed it hoping uh-huh. to be
2: uh, a repeat guest
1: Hoping to be a repeat guest. He's like, how do I do this podcast thing? I said, just talking to the mic and smile, baby. It'd be good. Uh, So you guys are doing some cool work together. Uh, We wanted to try to get you guys in uh, for Energy Tech Night to tell that story, but Jason, you were out of town. I said, hey, let's just do this as a podcast. So I really want to dive deep into um, maybe for, maybe do some quick intros. So anybody who didn't catch the last episode with you, Jason, kind of dive into that and then. Going we'll to go into Chris's real quick.
0: Sure. Jason Obikson. I'm the go-to-market director for Salesforce's oil and gas practice. So what that means is I'm ultimately responsible for our go-to-market strategy for everything Salesforce does in oil and gas globally around the world.
1: One of the P2 OGs before going to Salesforce. So you know the industry intrinsically. You've been doing this for probably, what, 15 years now? A
0: little bit longer. Actually, I started my career with Unical, fresh out of college. So I'm going to date myself before Chevron Bottom as a production analyst. So just a little bit over 20 years. Don't let the young looks fool you.
2: I know. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what about you? Yep. Uh, Chris Baker from uh, Natural, Ensign Natural Resources. Um, I'm the production manager there. We uh, we are a private equity oil and gas firm. We're backed by Warburg, uh, Pincus, and uh, Kane Anderson. Cool. Uh, we uh, acquired an asset in uh, Eagleford in 2019. And so we uh, I've just been working that asset and- Drilling wells and making oil and saving OPEX.
1: Just, just grinding away. So how did you How did you two guys meet? I
0: think the opportune, which you might be familiar with, right? Who did the work that's for right. you, invite us to a lunch. I hadn't even heard your story on our technology, which is amazing because it's probably one of the best stories we have. But I think that's the first time I met you.
2: So I drank the, the Salesforce Kool-Aid. Okay. And then... Uh, and then once we got into all the teddy bears and all that uh, we, were, we were looking for something a little bit more once you like start using the the application there's there's other ways you can use it one of the ways we were trying to use it is to to create a field data capture mm-hmm. and currently we use uh, some version of P2 and so i heard that podcast actually okay uh, and i was like dude he's from P2 and uh and american he knows all that and i wanted to to Build a field data capture off of Salesforce, and so we're still working on it. But then uh, our implementation consultant uh, Ross Benton, he uh, he hooked us up. And we went to
0: Perry's. Yeah.
1: What? So does the Opportunity work with you guys?
0: Yes, they have a Salesforce practice.
1: I did not know that. Yeah. We're so they do some um,
0: Salesforce work.
1: We're chatting with like we've, we've been chatting with the team lately, but some behind the scenes stuff. You guys, you guys will see come come to fruition soon. But that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I didn't work with those guys at all.
0: Yeah. We have a great, great, great business with
1: us. So who wants to keep, so you, so you reached out to, to Jason. Hey, would love to, you know, build this full data capture application. You know, he's over here teasing us saying this is probably one of the best sales stories. Where do you want to begin?
2: Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, uh, maybe just about how we, we, we got it, how we dove into it yeah. and, uh, yeah. So, uh, 2019, we were looking for a, uh, an application to, to use, to, to run our business. We were looking for a CMMS originally. Um, but even more than that, we were looking for a, uh, uh something to run our operations completely. Um, I guess maybe a little bit of backstory. I came from uh, another operator, another independent, and there we spent, uh, right before I jumped to Ensign, we spent a considerable amount of money and a considerable amount of time. Building like a really fit for purpose application on uh, on SAP Cloud, um, it was really good.
1: Uh, what's what's a con- give me a, give me a ballpark range of of what's a considerable amount of money? You don't have to give me an exact number, just like a, a floor and a ceiling.
2: Uh, between like three million and one million.
1: Okay, so a lot of money. For, that's, I mean, that's maybe cons- maybe not. That's considerable for, for me. This. It
2: is, but maybe not you guys. I mean, you guys are rolling it. <laughs> that's pocket change. So <laughs> that's yeah, I, I, I,
1: I got. a couple mil my Pike now. Uh, <laughs> that's a significant amount for for build out for software these days.
2: Yeah, but, and yeah. a lot of that was the the cost of implementation. You know, we had to we had to spend like uh, we spent like. Three weeks in india like working with all the solution engineers making mm-hmm. it and a lot of that was just customization and trying to say hey we want it to work like this mm-hmm. and and what were you what were you trying to accomplish with that with that software uh same thing so i'm i'm i am absolutely not an it guy mm-hmm. i'm uh i was i was in the field uh you know i've been in the eagleford since uh, 2011 um as an operator foreign superintendent so I was kind of in that capacity. And so I, I look for or the, digital, uh, the digital solutions to make more oil safely and reduce OPEX. That's kind of like my mantra, right? Uh, and so that's what we were looking for. We were looking for a, a solution to do that. And we built a, a control room here in Houston. And, uh, and we needed an application to, to, to use to, to facilitate that, that control room. And so that's why we went and built that, that solution. But when it came to Ensign, uh, we're private equity. Uh, we don't have a lot of time and we didn't have a lot of money.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so we had to get a little bit, uh, uh, you know, we had to think outside the box a little bit. And then I watched a random video uh, on the World Wide Web. It, uh, it was, a, it was a, a teaser on a Salesforce application. It was pretty gangster and so i uh i got contact with the salesforce rep that had been calling me forever but like who needs a crm in the oil field right mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm like i don't know why you're calling me because i don't need to talk to you i'm not a salesman uh so then when uh when i we talked to uh we talked to salesforce finally figured out what we needed which was uh field service and then once we got field service we uh we had the implementation consultant opportunity like we talked about mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, uh, we put it to work for us.
1: So you started off this engagement. So <laughs> Jason's probably calling you this whole time. He's like, man, these inside guys are assholes. They're not answering. And then you're like, oh, you've been calling me this whole time. No, I need this. So it, did, it started off as the field data capture piece. we started off with a field service and then kind of moved into like field data capture. And
2: yeah, things. absolutely. Field service okay. first, uh, because we were looking for an application to facilitate our <laughs> operating model. Um, and then once we, we got that kind of fixed up, we were looking for it just to add on. Because this is one of the benefits of, of Salesforce. Like once you paid for the licenses, it's like unlimited the, the amount of stuff you can put into it. You can mm-hmm. keep on building, building, building. And all you have to really do is pay for the licenses, which is easy on
1: OpEx. So so expand with me. So you said you were doing some stuff in P2. What were you trying to do in P2 that it couldn't do or... What were you wanting out of like building something entirely new with Salesforce and the, the field data capture to kind of, you know, to go through that process? Just kind of unpack that a bit.
2: Yeah. So, uh, so I don't want to trash P2, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for an operating model, there's uh, a lot of, a lot of times it's operate by attendance, which uh, you go from well to well to well. And so their, their application, even or field operator, is really, pointed for the guy who has a computer in his, his truck and he goes to this well and he types in mm-hmm. the, the, the field data capture and that's really how it's supposed to work. Uh, but when you when you transition to, when you transition to uh, operate by exception or dynamic operating, it's a lot different because you have a control room uh, looking at the field in aggregate and you don't necessarily have an operator going from well to well to well. And so you're utilizing all those shared shared resources. And so the application doesn't really fit uh, that operating model because you might not have uh, an operator go to the well site for, for a week maybe. And so, because you're just uh, operating and looking at it remotely. And so we were looking for a solution to look at the production, you know, make sure that all, all, you know, any, any measurement issues are, are resolved and just, move it forward through uh, production accounting uh, easy, but yeah.
1: So walk me through the kind of operate slash pump by exception when, and and I guess, what are these exceptions? Like when are pumpers actually going out there? Cause I'm kind of just going back to, I don't know if I told you, we had some wells in Oklahoma that we operated our pumper naturally. I mean, the dude was like 80 years old been pumping (laughs) the same wells for like 60 years. And so Mm -hmm. like you just go out there, Pretty much seven days a week, go in there, check in, see if anything was broken, if we had any leaks on anything, if anything needed to be fixed, if you need to call the rouse crew, if you need to, you know, call in any loads, um, you know, normal like pumper stuff. So like for anybody who's listening, who's like not familiar with kind of this whole pump by exception thing. Like what, like walk us through that a little bit. Absolutely.
2: Uh, so like what you're describing is essentially operate by tenants and, and he, he does a really good job because that that, that, that operator, he goes from well to well, make sure that everything's kosher. Uh, But when you, when you have a SCADA or some kind of SCADA that you can see all of your wells or all of your, your equipment out in the field, then you can start to, to utilize shared resources. Mm -hmm. Um, So operate by exception is we tiered all of our wells uh by production and then by opex and so essentially by cash flow so anything that uh, that makes money the wells that make money is where we want to focus first and so if you're going to hit say a, a operator has the ability to hit 30 wells a day uh, you want him to hit the 30 wells that make you the most money versus the wells that are closest to the barbecue joint or closest mm-hmm. to his house and so then you you prioritize his day based on that and then a little bit for, further than that is dynamic routing, which uh, which we do um, at Ensign. Essentially, we have a control room who sees everything in aggregate, uh, prioritizes all of the uh, all of the wells that are making daily production, uh, but then also sees the uh, the the break fixes. So if a well goes down at uh, at one o'clock in the afternoon, maybe the the operate by a tenant's uh, operator doesn't hit it back until the next day, whenever he hits it. But with dynamic routing, uh, we say, "Hey, we uh, we've lost this well. It's a it's a tier A well. It's making a lot of production. We want to focus on it. So why don't you break off from these other tier C opportunities that you have that are going to make less money and focus on the one that's going to make us the most money?" And then we we turn that around and and turn him around and focus him on the, the right priorities. But that's what uh, the the Salesforce application let you uh, let you do. It has a, a Gantt. And then uh, you, can, you can prioritize all of your tasks, the type of tasks, and all of that. And so the operator sitting in, in Houston, uh, shoulder to shoulder with the engineers and uh, the facilities guys, they can say, hey, look, this well went down. Uh, do you want us to, to go over there? What do you want us to do when we get there? And then they break into his schedule and, and, and send him a task because we can see him real time what he's doing and when he's done.
1: Interesting. So you're, yeah, so you're like scheduling, you're you're planning based on analytics, you're scheduling, and then you're, in addition to the scheduling, you're kind of giving them, it seems like a a checklist or a to-do list of just here's the things you need to do today, as opposed to, I didn't tell my pump or anything, he just showed up every single day and would we'll just do the exact same thing. But it was like, you know, we didn't, that's just what he'd been doing forever. We didn't really have a whole lot of wells, and so it was just like, He's going to do that, right? So, but it totally makes sense in in y'all's case. So that's interesting because most field data capture applications really don't get into like the scheduling or even like the task management kind of piece of it. It's literally just, hey, I'm going to put in gauges, run tickets, maybe capture some pressures. Maybe that comes from the SCADA. Um, You know, if you're hauling off water, capturing all of that. Um, Any other random just like field service stuff, rouse about stuff.
2: Like that so field service isn't necessarily a, a fielded capture tool that's like what we were trying to to build uh ancillary to the the overall product it's it's really it's there to um to facilitate companies that have some kind of service industry uh, we went to watch a bunch of dreamforce and you see like uh, there's like pool companies that use it because essentially they're just surface servicing like clients and so mm-hmm. we just treat the wells like clients and we want to give them really good service, but we want to give the really good wells, the really good service. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we just translated that to uh, the oil and gas yeah. business. kind of.
0: It's, I mean, basically it's driving tasks mm-hmm. and prioritizing tasks off of information. So I call it the money ball theory. Remember that book yeah. and the movie where prior to that, they looked, Hey, to that guy looks like he can hit, he's got a good swing. And then they said, let's just look at the stats, the data, and let's make all the decisions based on that. It's sad approach to tending to the wells. Let's look at the bottom line margin. and Let's drive behavior based on that value component and let's op- prioritize where someone spends their time to optimize the bottom line margin of the company.
1: And so now, if people want to take a little walk down the memory lane, you guys acquired two big companies over the last call it five years. Um, MuleSoft and then Tableau. And I know that those have been integrated into like some kind of capacities. Does that really like touch? these kinds of applications
0: in, in some cases it does i don't know and if you i don't think you guys use those um not yet yeah so we have so and we bought also um spent 35 billion on slack so three oh, big yeah ones. yeah subtle, pick that one up too
1: subtle subtle bright 30 <laughs> yeah, 35 eh, pocket change one. yeah <laughs>
0: last year but uh we won't talk about that we're not quite uh integrated that but i think
1: this episode is brought to you by our friends at ComboCurve. If you haven't heard, Aries and PhD went are out and ComboCurve is in. ComboCurve is the cloud-based operating system for energy companies. The single integrated platform helps your engineering teams become more agile, precise, and efficient than ever before. For the first time ever, you now generate type curves and forecast thousands of wells accurately and in a fraction of the time. Oh, and it can automatically run these forecasts every single day. What I love most about the Combo Curve team is their work ethic and actually caring about their customers. Every time I talk to the team, Armand, Jeremy, everybody else over there, they're reinvesting into growing the development team to tackle any challenges that their clients may be facing. But don't take my word for it, go over to combocurve.com, read the dozens of testimonials on their website from clients like Arm Energy, Laredo Petroleum, Rock and W Minerals, and many more. Request a demo and these guys will get you taken care of.
0: Salesforce has native integration capabilities. So a lot of times those data, the data that you're driving that insight and behavior from lives in a different application. So the easier and quicker and more scalable you can integrate that data, the better. So there's native integration. The MuleSoft for large organizations, they want to build enterprise integration strategies and API layers to just rinse and repeat it. So that'll let them do that. And then Tableau, I don't think Tableau is much applicable here. Tableau is more business intelligence, maybe above and beyond some of these action tools. Um, so this is probably just kind of our native core platform, the one that you know back from the, you know, force.com days where we mm-hmm. took that out and then we build a scheduling optimization engine on that same native platform.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious because, you know, I've played around with, i played on the Salesforce platform a lot, not as much in, in recent years, but a couple of years back, it's been an enormous amount of time kind of playing around, building things in there. And it's just so robust. There's so much that you can do. But again, at the same time, as long as you're willing to like dedicate a little bit of time to like learning it, I mean, it's pretty much, I would consider to be no code, right? Yeah. In, in a way, you can just go in there and build whatever you want. Um, uh, it's funny you mentioned the, the whole Slack thing. Do you guys use Slack internally? I'm kind of curious from an EP perspective. No. Oh, no. We got to start evangelizing Slack. Yeah, Slack's all I mean. Do you know what Slack is? No. Oh,
2: I don't know. It, it's. I feel like we
1: didn't have a side tangent here. Yeah. Okay. So if you guys are working for any organization and you're sending emails, how do you, how do you guys communicate internally?
2: Uh, we use Microsoft Teams and then emails.
1: Okay. So if you're doing either one of those, Microsoft <laughs> Teams, I guess is 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 a I guess a suitable replacement to uh, to Slack. We've been on Slack since um, I don't know, probably 2014, 2015, I think. Um, all our internal communication takes place in Slack. Any other organizations who have Slack. I didn't know that. Awesome. Yeah. So you are we, a customer. We've yeah, we've been a Slack Salesforce. customer. This I'm Slack Salesforce has probably been the most repurposed single Slack channel because it's been for our oil company, for our consulting company, for now digital wildcatters. Like if you look through like previous users on the Slack channel, it's been like a million people. That's awesome. It's been used all the way through. So thoroughly enjoy Slack. Um and then we set up notifications and this is where like, I don't know if teams has this ability, maybe they do, maybe it goes above and beyond. I don't know. But like for us, let's just say empower. So we have this, this empower conference coming up. We have an entire channel set up for automations to where if somebody registers, boom, we get a notification. So anybody's on that channel sees the registrations that come through. So for you guys, it could be like, oh, here's an exception. Boom. And then now you have a running channel of all of your exception notifications. Oh, well, it goes down. Boom. Now you, now you see that, oh, somebody is over budget on something. Boom. You get a notification for that. And so it becomes like not only this hub for like our communication, but the hub for automations that come in from forms from the website, from our CRM, from a million different things. And the reason I'm going on this tangent is not to like call ins and out, but the reason I'm going on this tangent is because if any of you guys are listening and you don't have like some sort of like communication hub internally as an, as an organization, you're really like doing yourself a disservice because you can just operate so much quicker and more agile. And I think there's a lot of just really cool plugins that you can kind of tether that. So I didn't expect this to take a random side turn down the, the Slack thing, but for anybody who's listening, if you have any questions about it, I've been a Slack user for forever. Like I said, if you're trying to like pitch it to your boss or something about hey, why you should use Slack, reach out. Uh, would be happy to chat with you. Um, I'm just a long-term user, love products and it's going to charge us uh, some kind of commission fee. <laughs> I, maybe fee? I don't know I don't, I don't know how <laughs> this is going to go, but uh, no, Slack's been great. Um, not to dog I'd I have zero experience with Microsoft teams, so I can't really say, but I know it is somewhat comfortable.:
2: yeah yeah we use we use teams pretty extensively, uh, even like the field users they'll they'll communicate through teams and mm-hmm. you got of the channel for for everything. We haven't used all the bots or anything.
1: So let me ask you this. How does how does Salesforce communicate internally? Slack. Slack? As soon as yeah. we bought it. So you guys, were you guys a Slack shop before you no, bought
0: Slack? not at all. So as soon as we bought it, that's a big thing for us. We use our own technology for everything. So as soon as we bought it, it was a rapid deployment and drinking from the fire hose. And at first it was, well, what, what, is it? what do we got ourselves into? But now I kind of agree with you. Once we kind of turned on all the workflows and automated process, I'm starting to see the value. I don't have any emails anymore. I keep going to my inbox, refreshing, going, where the hell are all my emails? And mm-hmm. they're all in Slack and they've all been, you know, serviced up me to me in the right time and I've already responded via the channels. So it really has replaced emails for
1: us. Yeah. It's, we're all in. It's it's huge. So yeah, if you're an EP OFS company you're not using something like that, you should and, and I think our long-term
0: vision will be to start building out integrations to this core Salesforce platform and and processes that touch that. So it's somewhat seamless to the end user mm-hmm. of what they're using—it's just kind of an engagement layer for all the work that's being done.
1: So, what's the so what's the vision with with kind of y'all's? I mean, you said we were talking about analytics. You said, "Hey, not yet." Do you guys have like a vision that you're working towards, and like what you're wanting to to be able to build and get out of it?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, one of the benefits of of having operational software is anything that they're that uh, our field staff is doing in the field, we're tracking. Mm-hmm. So. Um, not, not like a weird big brother way, but, <laughs> but more of like, Hey, we're, we're gathering all that data. We can find out where there's, uh, you know, defects. We, we fix that defect and then we don't fix that anymore. And then we refine that process. But I mean, as far as like building more into, into Salesforce, you know, every year when I, uh, watch Dreamforce or, uh, or, when I talk to ross or or Jason, I feel like there's there's more stuff that we could use uh different opportunities to to build on it and so i mean as we as we encounter some issue that that we can't solve, we need a software uh solution i call i call opportune typically and I say, "Hey, man, how long is this going to take?" and they're like, "Hey, that's not gonna take it long at all, and it's not gonna be that expensive and man, I love hearing that. <laughs>
1: Have you, so have you, is Dreamforce back in person yet?
0: Kind of last year it was four or 5,000 people and then it got shrunk down to 2,000. So it's not the big Dreamforce that, have you guys been to Dreamforce? I haven't. You know, I've, no seen, I've seen seen You videos. have to go when it gets, I'm hoping, double fingers crossed here, if you're watching on the video, that it gets back to, you know, a hundred thousand plus people taking on the city of San Francisco. That's the goal for, you know, this fall is when we usually have it, but we're still waiting to see how this, you know, COVID thing you might've heard of yeah uh, shakes out, but not quite yet. We'll is see. Is COVID still
2: a thing? Oh, no, not in Texas. No. Not in Texas. <laughs> Seems to be lingering everywhere.
0: Yeah. Else. Uh, so that's the, I, I'm hoping we get back to the, 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 the craziness and the excitement for what it was before. It was virtual, which is okay, but it's not the same thing. Mm. So we're not quite back to normal, but we'll see this year.
1: It's got to be one of the largest conferences. Have, what what I heard people.
0: is it's number three behind like the CE, Consumer Electronics Show, and something else, at least when it was full force. Mm-hmm back in the day when it was 100,000 plus people getting U2, Metallica, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, you can't get much bigger than that as far as just mass appeal bands. It's a lot of fun.
1: This is turning into a commercial for yeah. Hey Dream Come Force. Work, Come work Come work it sells yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Or just come to Dreamforce. It's a lot of fun.
1: For you guys is is I'm I'm curious how things are a lot of things have changed okay. since the last time we had you on the show. And so I'd say that well was probably call it $40, 50 last time you were on, because that was what, 2019, early 2020, pre COVID. Yeah. Um, oil is, WTI is probably like what, 10, 109 or 111. Let's see. Uh, in, oh my Lord. I've never seen it this high in my life. As of the time we're recording, uh, WTI is 115, natural gas is $5. <laughs> Brent crude's at uh 118. So like things have changed and it's pretty much mostly you and Houston on this, like is it it's considered like what the manufacturing industrial vertical and then like oil and gas is a part of that? Correct. Okay. So I'm curious with like the way things are kind of trending with energy as a whole, kind of being more and more talked about, you know, whether it be through climate change or whether through renewables or whatever. That's becoming, obviously, more and more increasingly more popular. But oil and gas is now, we're back, baby. Oil prices are the highest they've been in my entire career in the last decade. So is, I'm, I'm curious from, do you have any insight into, are they going to be investing more into your team? Are they going to be growing that? Or
0: Yeah, and I, and I do want to turn a question back to both you guys. So um, last year was really good for us. I think this year is, is going to continue to be really good. Um, Of course, the bar was pretty low when you think back to 2020 when we Mm -hmm. had negative oil for a little bit. So, I think we'll continue to invest. We think of it holistically across energy. So we have the manufacturing and then the subset of that is energy. And I think what we're seeing is a lot of renewables, a lot of, you know, the bigger companies are switching into retail electricity, you know, carbon capture, all that stuff. So, you know, this will be a fast growing, one of our fastest growing segments and we'll continue to invest. It'll be interesting to see how the traditional oil and gas shakes out. You know, six months ago, it was, oh, everything's renewables, everything's power and utilities, oil and gas, fossil fuels is dying. And now everyone's like, whoa, wait a second. We're back. Yeah. So uh, so I'm what I, what I wanted to ask you guys, I'm still seeing in our customers a lot of capital discipline. They're not kind of, you know, they're not overspending like they might have in years past. And then too high oil, in my opinion, might be bad for us as a technology company because then. A lot of companies are making so much money that they don't really think they need to be efficient. So that's my question to you guys: Do you think the companies are still going to look for efficiencies, margin, technology? When historically, when oil was gangbuster high, it's just like, let's make hay while the sun's shining, and, and we don't need to worry about efficiencies because we're making so much.
2: I'll let Chris take it first, and then I'll chime in. I would say back in the the last boom, I, I absolutely felt that culture of hey, oil price is high need to make the production safely no matter what. And that was like, uh, that was absolutely the mandate. And there wasn't much, uh, you know, we still watched OPEX, but I mean, it, it wasn't at the forefront. Um, today, uh, as far as Ensign's concerned, we uh, we just barely started up another rig. Uh, we're excited to have two rigs rolling. Um, so we've got a, a good drilling program for this, uh, this year. We're excited about making more oil. Uh, we're still focused on OPEX we uh, I think in general, people are, uh, less apt to just jump out there and, and, and make a lot of maybe, I don't want to say, you know, questionable investments or, or maybe not as, uh, diligent in, in, in ranking them or, or whatever. I think everybody's a little bit more disciplined. Um, and then, as for us, I think we're focused on just drilling out of cash flow, and I and I hope that our industry in in general tries to have the discipline to to drill out of cash flow and not uh, leverage uh, super big RBLs and and try and go down that.
1: I agree. I agree with everything that Chris said. I think that. um, it's, it's, a, it's a weird kind of dynamic between more of the private companies and the public companies. Obviously, you've had just so much investor pressure to not grow production right. whatsoever. And I feel like that's kind of bled across the industry. And so I think we're going to see a lot more capital discipline. I think, in, you know, whenever oil is 40, 50, whatever, or, or sub that, it's very easy for management teams to look and say, or, or complain and say, like, oh, I didn't have a fighting chance. Like, how are we supposed to make money in this environment? And then, like, commodity prices is, is kind of an easy scapegoat. I think that people would be, I, I think they need to be a little cautious and not be reckless with their capital discipline now that oil is at one hundred fifteen. Because if you can't make money in a whole of one hundred fifteen, <laughs> you're in the wrong business. You're in the wrong business, <laughs> and I think that those those mistakes will um, definitely have a light kind of shown on them. So, I think we're dealing with, I think the industry smarter this time around. I think not just more disciplined, I think that, you know, you look at the 2014, 2015 timeframe, whenever I was coming, kind of starting my career into this industry, we were selling like the first, GDS where it was like the first cloud-based quote-unquote production software. The P2s, the quorums, the inertias, like nobody had anything remotely close to it because it was all on-prem. And so you got to think that like how new of a concept that was in 2014, 2015, and now the the craziness that we're talking about in this industry in terms of like, I mean, so many APs now are like mining Bitcoin or like looking into mining Bitcoin. Like that shook me, like once we, once like now we're doing an entire conference around it with Empower, but once we started realizing how much interest there was from the industry around like using natural gas to mine Bitcoin, blew my mind because I was there in 2014. I was there in 2015. People were like, what the fuck is a cloud? Right. You know, like, so how do you go from what the fuck is a cloud to like all of a sudden, <laughs> like, it's not just necessarily these young guys. It's mm-hmm. it's the the guys who've been around the block for a minute have now been convinced that, hey, now this is something that we should pay attention to. So I think the industry as a whole is getting much smarter in terms of what do we need to do with technology.
0: And I think I'm hoping that that's, I think that's healthier. And I'm hopeful because I kind of think everyone's realizing rising tides raise all ships. And if mm-hmm. we can do it, you know, it's not an arms race to say you can... <laughs> you know, drill the most wells and bust out the top line production. I will say I was in the Middle East in November for Atapak and I would still say a lot of people there are like, what the fuck's the cloud? Really? (laughs) Yeah, especially uh, Saudi, UAE because they have a lot of data residency requirements. They're very nervous Mm -hmm. about their data getting beyond their borders as they, you know, probably should be just probably so. So there's still a big reluctance around cloud technologies there, which I thought was pretty interesting.
1: Well, you to think somebody like Saudi Aramco where like, I guess we kind of know now that they're public more information than we've ever known about them as a company, but I feel like there's still so much that is unknown to where imagine all of a sudden you're hosting with AWS or Azure right. and then there was some sort of like data leak, what that could pose them yeah, they're from very a reputation standpoint or a security standpoint or something like that. I can definitely see that being a yeah. kind of an issue for those guys, but that's interesting that people are still like.
0: That was a surprise. To see
1: that but i agree with you it's it feels like a
0: whole new world you know even then looking back five years yeah
2: service companies too like back in 2013 2014 it seems like everybody was like trying to start like a service company and they were leveraging themselves like to the hilt mm-hmm. and banks were giving out tons of right. money to do that uh we haven't seen that today like there hasn't been like companies like leveraging which are buying tons of fracture or fact drugs or back trucks or you know anything like that and so i think it's also transitioned to um to the service companies there there's some reluctance to to even buy like a, a hot oil truck
1: mm-hmm. so we talked about some of those big acquisitions Does salesforce have they or are they interested in making any like industry specific kind of investments like i know i think you guys bought like cmo.com which i thought was really weird but like maybe as it pertains to energy kind of as a whole?
0: I think we might see that. And, and another smaller acquisition I think has really helped some of the stuff Chris talked about is we acquired a company called Click. So Click was a f- that field service tool that Chris referenced was, I would say it's Click's IP. And we were actually an OEM of Click. So we had a relationship and then we bought them about three years ago and we're taking some of, they're really big. They're not specifically only oil and gas, but they're telecom, energy, power utilities, oil and gas was one of their biggest segments. And now we've taken a lot of that IP. So I think we'll continue that. I don't know if we're going to buy just specific energy software. We might. I feel like they are looking for more horizontal applications that might have industry-specific use cases in maybe two or three different industries. That's Mm -hmm. what I see the future being.
1: Yeah. It's always that question of like energy tech as a whole. Who becomes, and you've seen it working at P2, Mm -hmm. like who becomes that, the, the next company that comes in and, and makes a lot of acquisitions. Um, I yeah. think up up until recently, until COVID hit, Inverus was making a ton of acquisitions in the space. Uh, the last one kind of being Q Engineering that I know about, um, made a lot of, they acquired MineralSoft, they've acquired like a ton of other companies prior to that. Uh, obviously, RSeg and that whole merger. Um, but before that, before Inverus was in the picture, it was the P2s, right. the Inertias and the Quorums. And what funded that was just a ton of private equity coming into the space and just being so interested in energy to be able to come in, piece together a lot of stuff and kind of do a roll up. And I don't see a ton of that same energy that we saw probably in the early 2010s to late 2010s.
0: Yeah. And um, I don't see us ever focusing as much as I would love to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I know my place in the pecking order of Salesforce, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our, our oil and gas practice is probably a, to be honest i was like, told our, you our,
1: pretty much run the place well for oil and we, gas
0: but you know as far as the whole pecking order i heard it pro- was
1: like benioff and then old yeah we're Just probably like, a
0: rounding here. like
1: what we yeah. sell we sell no
0: i mean we have a pretty big practice but some of our bigger segments financial services healthcare, government i mean they're yeah 10 20 times larger than we are
1: do we ever see a salesforce tower in houston
0: Uh, we need an office person. You not have an (laughs) office. uh, Can I have a cubicle here? Yeah,
1: yeah. We get you guys set up.
0: Um, I don't know if that's happening. We have one in New York, uh, San Francisco. I don't don't know if it's happening. We have a. I was actually in Dallas. I came straight here from Dallas. We have a pretty significant presence and a nice office in Dallas. Really, I didn't downtown in Dallas. Oh, pretty nice. Wow. Maybe never say never, right?
1: (laughs) Uh, well, guys, this was fun. This was fun just chatting about uh, all the cool things you guys are working on. Jason, it was great having you back. Chris, we'll get you back on in the future. Sounds great. Hear more about what you guys are working on. We need more EMP guests. We really do. And so I do appreciate that. Um, we haven't had a lot of EMP guys on in, in uh, probably, I don't know, last, last year or so. Uh, so if you're listening, if you're like Chris, you want to come on and just talk about y'all's journey, uh, whether it's you know starting something new or you're, you're coming into, um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. If you're an EMP guy and you want to uh, come on the podcast, reach out and uh, really enjoy this episode, guys. Talk to you guys soon. Cut, 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 cut.